The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. And TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Raw Network and presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Sponsored by CollarNevilleBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. We're also in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape by using promo code JKPODCAST. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. As always, I am Big Joe. I'm Carl Carafel. All right, Carl. Another week has come and gone in the professional wrestling world, and we have quite a bit that's gone on. And uh, even since I've got the run together, there's been some other things that happened that we might even get a chance to talk to talk about. So, lots going on. Let's kick off with uh, this. Kind of ties into a um, something that I saw was very surprising. Um, Maria and Mike Canales re-signing with the WWE. Now, this was something that was kind of surprising because, uh, to the best of my knowledge, at least, you know, they were pretty unhappy with the company and looking to leave. And this ties in with uh, the overall topic here that um, Vince seems to be kind of employing this uh, scare tactic of basically essentially telling the talent that if you guys go anywhere else, you mean absolutely nothing. So I wonder if that's the case of what happened here because it seems like a complete 180 by these two. Um it's very hard to really talk about this without having any actual sources. Mm-hmm. I have not heard this. I have not heard anything about Vince trying any type of scare tactic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to speak to that, I really can't because I have not seen it myself. Okay. Now, uh, what about uh, Mike and Maria, Maria themselves kind of seemingly just out of nowhere changing their minds? W- what do you think happened there? Money talks, BS walks. Yeah. I think that's all that it is. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, given that, because it seemed like they were extremely unhappy with their their position in the company. Very well, they could have been, but I mean, who knows what they decided to, you know, kind of throw at them and say, hey, here you go. We're going to give this to you. We're going to give you, uh, you know, whatever run. We're going to put you into a program with so and so. We're going to give you X amount of dollars. I mean, without seeing their contracts, I don't know what really was given to them, right? True. And that's going to play a factor into it. What yeah. were they doing? Yeah, because it, it seems like it's a front where I've been seeing it's a, it's a five-year deal. So mm-hmm. they, they must have been off, offered something significant or, you know, said, you know, you know, we've got something planned for you, which I like said would be a, quite the change because recently, I mean, uh, keep in mind, too, I'm not necessarily up to date on everything WWE Weekly programming because I, I, quite frankly, don't watch a good portion of it. So, you know, we'll see what happens with this. It's um, it's a, it's an interesting gimmick. I know there's an appeal for it. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I get it for those who, who enjoy it. And just uh, I just I was just really surprised that, that they didn't um, venture elsewhere. I was really, really surprised. I mean, definitely it is surprising, but, I mean, again, we have to kind of look at it as this is their livelihood. Mm-hmm. So if they're being off for X amount of dollars and so many dates and, and whatever, uh, if it's appealing enough, that's your livelihood right there. You have guaranteed yourself five more years of this, right? For sure. And, you know, and kind of on the same lines we've been hearing with impact wrestling, I don't know if you've been hearing this as well, that some pretty significant talent, you know, most notably Scarlett Bordeaux, Apparently, not even make enough money to pay the bills working for Impact Wrestling. So, you know, we're 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 hearing some. You know, I haven't really heard from any other promotions, but it seems like Impact specifically, they seem to be the one that's. Uh, I don't know what the deal is there, but they just seem to be really struggling financially. 
Well, you got to kind of remember with Impact Wrestling as well, they're still trying to rebuild from mm-hmm. uh, all the crap that had happened before. Yeah. Uh, the company was thriving. The company was doing fantastic before, and then just bad minds came in. Yep. Bad things started to happen. It started to break down, and now... Uh, you know, it was purchased by a uh, Canadian company. Now they're trying to go through yeah. and rebuild the company. Um, unfortunately, they're having issues still. They're still trying to get onto an actual major network. Um, different things like this are, are really hurting and hindering the growth of Impact Wrestling. Yeah. And at this time, I mean, you can't go out and offer them you know, WWE-sized contracts, yeah. and you can't offer them anything that WCW was offering people. You can't offer them even really anything that ECW was offering people when ECW was in its big heyday either because Impact Wrestling is not at that level again yet. Keeping in mind, though, the talent itself and the work that's put out definitely is at a level where they should be Mm -hmm. making that kind of money. Unfortunately, that money is not there for them to be able to provide it to them. And I would imagine the talent for the most part probably knew what they were getting into at this point. And you see, do see a lot of them working for other promotions. We see them crossing over to uh, MLW and some other independent uh, promotions out there. So, if, if they weren't necessarily aware, then, you know, I would say, you know, not shame on them, but maybe should have maybe been paying closer attention. But I, I think that for the most part, probably most of them knew this kind of going into it, that they weren't going to be getting super rich off of this. Well, I'm see again, though, they're in their rebuilding stage. So exactly. People were probably in the mindset that, this company is going to be growing. This company is going to be getting to that level. And now after three, four years of still being kind of in a, uh, a loss situation yeah. that people are now, you're starting to hear about people becoming disgruntled and, and, and upset at the fact that the money isn't there for them right now for the amount of work that they're putting out. Just as you had mentioned, Scarlett Bordeaux, for, to my understanding, she still works a nine to five. Mm-hmm. And then does this in in the yeah. evening time, right? Um, so, from what I'm hearing as well, um, Killer Cross, another one who uh, kind of went to management and said, "Listen, like I'm not even getting enough to live, yeah. and I'm out here doing this night in, night out for you guys." And from what Killer Cross says, their response to him was. Maybe you need to go get a second job. Mm-hmm. Now, whether there's any legitimacy to that, I don't know at this point. This is all just hearsay coming from one person. Okay. So that's what we're sitting at right now with Impact Wrestling. Yeah, because when you when you look at the actual in-ring proc, especially when you put it up head-to-head with WWE and some of these other promotions, it's arguably better. <laughs> but they're in this weird kind of position where it's... At that at that kind of level with the wrestling promotions, it, it's it's kind of getting a little oversaturated too, and I, I think that they might be a, kind of a victim of that too. You know, but they're they're trying to do the Impact Plus thing, and it almost seems like at times maybe they're trying to bite maybe off a little bit more than they can chew. And, and I get it that they're trying to grow and everything. I don't want to say that it's backfiring. It just it, it, it impacts in a really weird spot right now. Like I said, the wrestling product is is arguably very very good. Just I don't think it's getting to enough people. And that's exactly it. Like the the network that they're on right now, unfortunately, is not that big of a network for them to be able to showcase what they can do and their talents to a vast majority of the populace. Mm. So we're looking at a situation where they can't get their product out there. So they're now trying different avenues with Impact Plus and Mm. with Twitch and yes. with YouTube mm-hmm. for them to go out and get their product out to many other people. Unfortunately, it's not having the effect that I think that they were looking for yeah. because it's not well known on the television circuits right now. And part of the issue too is I think some people are still under the impression. I do see a little bit of this on social media when impact does come up that people still think that it's T that those three letters TNA still seem to, to come up and people still seem to think that it's still that. And I think people are, are still a little off 
put by that because of how TNA was before it was bought out. So I think people maybe just aren't maybe fully educated about what the company is now. And the viewership could be suffering because of that. It definitely could be. So going from that to something else with uh, regarding Mr. Vince McMahon, because we actually ventured off into a little bit of a talk about Impact Wrestling, which is great because we haven't talked about Impact in quite a while. But uh, with the, the success of AEW, what was something interesting that, that I've seen is that supposedly, again, now this is kind of similar to the first topic here, that uh, Vince was legitimately surprised of the success of AEW, W or nothing specifically, and apparently didn't even see it coming. So... I've been seeing that he's, people have been talking about, you know, does Vince have issues with AEW? It seems like he's not even paying attention. Yeah, you're right. It definitely seems like there is no attention being paid to uh, all elite wrestling from Mm -hmm. Vincent Kennedy McMahon at this time. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean that Vince's eyes are now open? Yeah, probably. Considering the success that the company has had in only technically two shows that they have done yes and then with all outs that we'll talk about in a couple of minutes here yeah all of this really i'm sure has opened up the eyes of vince mcmahon and especially if talent is becoming disgruntled oh we have some technical difficulties here so yeah, it seems like people have been kind of perceiving this the wrong way as Vince feeling intimidated or being threatened by EW. And I, I personally, I think, you know, where the real beef and the real rivalry is not between Vince and Cody or Vince and EW. It's between Cody and Triple H. And we saw this at Double or Nothing. There's some hints at it. We did see a little bit of the hinting at it. I don't necessarily know that it was... Specifically, Cody taking shots at Triple H, but I think that it was more just Cody taking shots at um, who he knows is going to take over the company mm-hmm. after Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So we know that for the most part, Triple H is the one, Paul Levesque, he is going to be running the company at some point in time whenever mm-hmm. Vince McMahon decides that he is done. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it was, was just simply a shot at the future of the company as opposed to specifically a shot at Triple H. Yeah, and it was a very subtle thing too. And I just don't want us to, to you know look back on the show. I'm talking specifically Deborah Nothing in the future. And I'm glad that they didn't go too far with that segment because I didn't want it to don't want it to overshadow what happened because it would end up being a really, really good uh, show and a good event there. And I'm glad that it was just a... You know, a fairly quick thing, and then go too over the top of it. Me too. Yeah. So going with some Definitely. more. Definitely, it's it's better yeah. to do just a little. Yeah, for sure. So going with uh, some more AEW stuff here. All out happening in Chicago in late August here, Carl. Didn't sell it quite as quick as Double or Nothing, but still pretty darn fast. 15 minutes, this thing was completely booked up, and apparently there were thousands of people waiting in the queue that weren't able to get tickets. Exactly right. There were people that I have seen on some Facebook groups that I am part of that showed that they had finally gotten in, and they were told that there were thousands before them Mm -hmm. and that their time to receive into the website would be like 25 days. Wow. So (laughs) huge, huge opportunity there for AEW. If they decide to go with bigger venues, they are going to hopefully have more tickets that are going to be available because we could clearly see that there were people who wanted tickets. Now on the flip side of that, do we have scalpers mm. who have gone in? You've and read my mind. Many of those tickets before <laughs> the public could get to them because these scalpers are very crafty with how they do it. I do believe that we are now going to be seeing many tickets for all outs available online at jacked up prices because of the scalpers. So my first question about this is, are you a mind reader? 
because you, as you were as you were getting before you said that I was like because I was going to mention that and then you you mentioned that so first of all it's like you you read my mind on that one because it's definitely a, a bit of a controversy that's come up that supposedly these scalpers and some of these uh, ticket hubs and whatnot that just bought up large chunks of these tickets and then there's supposedly going to possibly be some legal ramifications with this kind of because this isn't the only spot or place where this has been happening. No, it definitely is not. Mm -hmm. This happens all across in the entire entertainment world, Mm -hmm. whether it is uh, comedy events, whether it's professional wrestling events, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey, uh, whether it's concerts, it doesn't matter where. Unfortunately, this is happening all over all entertainment aspects that are out there and sporting events. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's any way to kind of work around this, if they can maybe just start... You know, just you got to buy the tickets directly from, you know, in this case, Ollie Wrestling or whether it be WWE or whatever. There might have to be some kind of change in just the way that this business is done when it comes to tickets. Because it seems like, obviously, we've exposed a flaw in the the process, right? We definitely have. Now, I don't know if there was actually any limits to the amount of tickets that could be purchased. Uh, Again, if that is something that they can try to do it might be beneficial unfortunately these scalpers are quite good at what they do and they do have bots that simply go through and purchase these tickets so it's it's kind of hard in that aspect to be able to get a stoppage to the scalpers going through and purchasing uh you know a hundred to a thousand tickets Mm -hmm. so yeah well, what's uh, you know, having said all that with that too, and some negative stuff with that, I think that we can still say though that very clearly there's still a huge amount of hype and, and still a lot of interest in AEW. It doesn't seem to have have leveled off or dropped at all. It's still very, very high demand, and, and this is a perfect example. Even all the people that weren't able to get tickets and that want it, there's obviously still a huge interest in this company, which is good to see. I was wondering how this was going to go. And I'm pleased to see that, uh, that it's still the case, a lot of interest in it. I'm very happy to see that as well. I want nothing but success for AEW. Mm-hmm. And this is clearly showing that at this point in time, all elite wrestling will be successful in what they are doing. Absolutely. So originally I had a different topic kind of, in the slot for in this podcast, but recently I had a discussion with uh, Michael Jargo, host of Hitting the Marks Processing Podcast, uh, and uh, part of the same network that we're on here, um, about, uh, I guess you could say it's a bit of a delicate uh, topic here, and this has to do with the WWE's partnership with Saudi Arabia doing these shows all the time, and they, they're kind of locked into a deal for quite a while. And it seems like WWE, especially currently, is very, very much relying on the money coming from these events. Now, it had me thinking about this, is what could possibly happen here if, say, WWE in a few months or so, or before the next Saudi show, say they decide to maybe run in a place like Israel or or Syria and one of these places where the the Saudi Arabia people are obviously not... um, very positive on we could see some really severe backlash if the Saudis were to pull out of this and it would financially possibly cripple the WWE. I think in this aspect, you will not see Saudi Arabia pull out, but you will simply see them say, we are paying you this amount of money to come Mm -hmm. here. You do not go over there. I think that that would be the scare tactic that they would use is if you do decide to run in those areas, we will pull out and you will not have this money. Uh, You just said that WWE seems to be very reliant on this money. And that's exactly what Saudi Arabia will do is use that money to their advantage as a scare tactic to keep them out. I don't think we will see Saudi Arabia pull out of it at all. Uh, having said that, would you agree with me that without the Saudi Arabia money coming in, that they would be in a very difficult position at the moment? No. No? Okay. No, not at all. How so? They're a consummate. 
they're still going through there's I see on social media all the time that mm-hmm. they're still selling merchandise. Yeah. They're still selling tickets to shows. People are still getting excited about pay-per-views that are happening. People are still in the arenas watching Raw yeah. and SmackDown Live. People are still going to house shows. They are still making their money whether or not they have the Saudi Arabia money there. Mm-hmm. You got to take a look at it in this aspect as well. The money that Saudi Arabia is paying them, look at the theatrics that they are doing during those shows. WWE is paying for that. So essentially, Saudi Arabia is giving them this money. WWE is taking that money and putting it back into that show. Yeah. With all the pyro and the fireworks and the huge arena that they have to rent and like everything, right? Yeah. So there's still not necessarily, let's say, you know, Saudi Arabia gave them, you know, $25 million to do this one show. Well, you got to figure a big chunk of that money is going back into that show, not directly just into the pockets of Vince McMahon. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, out, of, out of curiosity, and I think that uh, somebody in the circles we run with uh, actually posted a picture of it, and it was the um, kind of the seating map for WWE's um, next paper, which I, I can't stand the name of. Was it uh, pr- uh, was it called Proving Grounds or um, yes. Stomping Grounds or something like that? And the whole the whole one half of the arena, which would be on the opposite, it would actually be where the hard cam is located for when they record. That whole entire site is completely empty. Nobody's bought a single ticket. So. Well, we will we'll see. Um, I, I'm. I know that you think that they're making enough money over here to to keep afloat, but I, I'm of the the school of thought that if they if something happens with that Saudi deal, that they they would be at, at the very very least they would be in a little bit of trouble. Like they they would be, you know, probably having to possibly you know get rid of 205 live or cut down some some touring and stuff like that i think that they they could potentially be in some issues but that this is purely theoretical right so you know i'm 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 guessing vince probably knows better than to piss off the saudis because you know my lids heads could literally roll so i mean i looking at it from i mean from myself and and a business standpoint from myself i'm gonna go I'm Vince McMahon. I have my money. Yeah. Right. Like he has been on the top of the multimillionaires, uh, close to billionaires list for quite a while now. So the money is there. It's mm-hmm. not as though he or the company itself is hurting for money because when they say Vince McMahon, they're technically saying the WWE, the company yep. itself, that is Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. So the WWE is a multi-million dollar company, close to a billion dollar company every single year. Yep. Now, Vince McMahon says Saudi Arabia wants us to do shows over there. They're offering us however much money to do these shows. Why am I not going to go there and take extra money, put on shows? This is now going to open up other areas to say, hey, if Saudi Arabia can pay you this amount of money to run and run shows here, yeah. we want the same thing. Here is the same amount of money with 5% more and we want the exact same thing. Yeah. So it's only smart business sense for him to run that because now other areas are going to be saying, we want that as well. Here's the money. Bring your shows here. And we got to keep in mind too, you know, company, uh, WWE does some other stuff, you know, where they, they, they do a little bit of um, movie production and stuff like that. So there's more to it than just the wrestling product out there. So, you know, they have that to, you know, help pay the bills too. They do. There's movies, there's merchandise, there's for a while music they were doing as well. Mm -hmm. There is so many other small little aspects within the WWE that people aren't even aware of. And that as well is pulling in revenue for the company. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of trying to pull in some revenue... 
WWE in the very near future here is going to be doing a tour of Japan, which is interesting giving all the hoopla going on with New Japan Wrestling. We know the G1 is going to be happening pretty soon. Um, if you go on uh, at least my social media page, and I'll actually I'll share it over to the Turnbuckle Talk page as well, that the, the G1 uh, blocks were announced, and it is stacked. It's going to be probably one of the best wrestling tournaments that there's been in a long time. So... They're going to be going over to Japan, and apparently, uh, I thought this was so strange, w, uh, Triple H is going to be teeping, teaming up with the, the club um, during this um, during this tour, and I find it, it's, it's, it's an odd pairing. It's an odd pairing. I didn't see that coming. Maybe not, but you got to look at it as a um, draw. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. You've got the club who did quite a lot over in Japan and New Japan. So what better way now to get the company of the WWE and, and NXT really be known and shine than use the club with Triple H together going through a show or doing multiple shows across the uh, country, yeah. right? Like that's to me smart. Yeah, I, I get it. I just don't like him getting in the ring anymore. Uh, honestly, with uh, he's getting up there in the age and just where I, I know it's not Undertaker and Goldberg level bad, but I just don't like Triple H still getting in there in the ring. Stick to being the businessman and running NXT. I'm not a fan of of him doing this. To be perfectly honest with you. I am totally fine with him doing this. Um, He still has the ability to go out there and do this. We're not talking somebody like Triple A or like The Undertaker or like, you know, Goldberg. We're not talking any type of fiasco like that. Triple H keeps himself in in ring condition all the time. People don't understand, but he, he runs NXT. He's there. He's working out with the with the talent. He's getting in the ring and doing stuff with the talent. He's helping train the talent as as much as he possibly can when he's not doing business work. So he's keeping himself good in the ring and keeping that ring rust off to an ability for him to go and do all of these other shows and be good and successful with them. I know you have not watched the Super Showdown nope. from Saudi Arabia. Nope. But let me tell you, Triple H versus Randy Orton was probably the best match on that card, and mm. the two of them gave hell. Yeah. They put on a fantastic match. That right there shows you that Triple H can still do the job and make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Now, is this just a tour of Japan, or, or do you think that they're finally trying to get into this market in Japan and, and like be regular in Japan or start an NXT in Japan? I think that's exactly what it is. It's an NXT startup in Japan, yeah. I think, is what's going to be happening. And that's the reason why we have Triple H yeah. teaming up with, uh, with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, collectively known yeah. as the club. The two of them were part of New Japan Pro Wrestling. They, you know, had dealings with the Bullet Club. They were, you know, right there, front and center. Mm-hmm. They know these people. They know the talent. Yeah. They know the people coming to watch the shows. They understand it. Who better for Triple H to align himself with than these two to go over there and essentially talent pool mm-hmm. and recruit than these two. Yeah. We'll see. I, I've, you know, we, I've said before that I, I don't think that them venturing regularly into Japan is a good idea, especially with new Japan pro wrestling, um, dominating that market there. I, I don't see WWE doing well there or even having a, a really good way to show their product to the people that uh, can't be in the arenas to actually watch it. I, I think all around it's a bit of a flawed idea. C- can they make it work? We'll just have to wait and see and see if they can pull it off. But it's Japan isn't uh, a great market for them to try to get into, to be perfectly honest, at least in my opinion. 
And your opinion may differ. <laughs> results may vary. So going from that to something that we also may end up uh, differing on here, seeing some information and, and now that I look at the bigger, and I'm talking about Lacey Evans and the failed kind of project that that's, that that's kind of been and looking more into this. And now that I see, have found out from multiple sources that I've looked up here, seeing who's been behind the character work and stuff of this, it all comes into focus and makes sense now. The Dana Warrior has been in charge of this Lacey Evans thing and what's why it's fell so flat and it's been so awful. So you're right. I'm going to differ with you on yeah. this. Lacey Evans, I think can do what she needs to do in the ring. She, she can't have a match with NXT. Charlotte though. She, Even with Charlotte, she couldn't hang. That was honestly one of the worst matches, women's matches I've seen in a long time. So let's let's put you up against, let's say, Chris Jericho. Yeah. Let's put you up against, let's say, Colt Cabana. And then mm-hmm. when I say put you up against them, I'm talking audio production. Yeah. Okay, let's put you up against anyone from uh, the, the business doing audio production. Mm-hmm. Are you going to, like, that's comparing as you would say, apples to oranges here. Well, right. I mean, you have Charlotte. I mean, she would obviously be the ring general. She'd be the one carrying the match. So it's not like Lacey's out there calling the shots. You know, she can't even keep up with one, one, uh, probably one of the, the easiest ones to work with in the business, at least with the women's professional wrestling or women's wrestling in WWE. Everybody's got to start somewhere. I, I think She's, it's I think it's yeah. very very wrong of people just to be crapping all over this because of one match and because you know this is the one that comes up every time. Mm-hmm. It's Lacey Evans, Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Oh, Lacey Evans couldn't hang in the ring with Charlotte Flair. I couldn't hang in the ring with Charlotte Flair, and I've worked in the business. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody crapping all over this. Yeah. Every- Everybody's got to start somewhere. And because somebody failed once, now we're going to crap all over them because of it. I think that's very wrong. Very wrong. And that's the way the world thinks, unfortunately. Everybody sees the negative in absolutely everything that happens. And I think that this really needs to stop. Why are we so negative on absolutely everything that happens? It's a travesty that somebody goes out there and tries to put on an entertaining match for us and tries to put on, you know, some entertainment for us and we're crapping all over it. I think it's it's crazy. It's ridiculous that we're doing something like that. Yeah. I won't. Yeah. I'm the type of mindset that I will not. I will try to find something good in what has happened. I, now, I know that originally this is talking about uh, – you know, Dana Warrior mm-hmm. and the failed Lacey Evans project. Yes. That there, I'm not going to be totally negative on it, but yes, it was a failed project that happened. Too but soon for NXT, in my opinion. Many, how many projects has she done? Not many. I think this is her very first one. Yeah. There so lies the problem. And we're going to crap all over it because it didn't go the way we think it should have went or because it wasn't as successful as it should be. Mm-hmm. So we're going to crap all over it. I would have been much better, and I think that she would have come out at so much better, A, more time spent in NXT, clearly. And I think that she should have been paired up with somebody more like a Lita or somebody who actually had some in-ring work experience as opposed to Dana. As far as I know, she's never actually, she's not even a wrestler to the best of my knowledge. So I think pairing her up and, and going with something like that to develop things, I think she would have been far better off, and then we might not even have been having this conversation. Maybe not, but I take a look at it this way. Okay, so so I myself, when I first became a manager of a company, yeah, I didn't have management experience. True, I did not have that experience at all. Did I fail at certain things? Damn right I did. Mm-hmm. But I continued to work and persevere to the point where I have managed several companies and am still an operations manager for a company right now. So it's all a building and a growth process that's going yeah. on. So if we continue to kick her while she's down right now because of one failed project in something that she has never done before, then if she 
decides that she's totally done with this and that it's the worst thing that's ever happened, that's on us now. Yeah. Because we didn't give her the support that she deserves because of one failed little thing. I just think that if they were going to team Dana up with her, that should have been kept. And I think one reason why it's getting as much traction, as much attention as it's getting, is it's, it happened on the big stage, right? It's on the main roster. I think if they were going to team these two up together, they should have kept it at the NXT level. That way they would have had some wiggle room to make some mistakes, to, to, to make some adjustments. But once you get to that main show, all the, the bright lights are on you. you got to be on your A-game. You're right, you do, but everybody fails at something. Yeah, no, I, I get it. <laughs> you know, I'm, and I fail at things too. You know, we all have. Just uh, you know, when it's it's on the big stage, it's just it's that much more in the spotlight, right? You're right. It is. It is in the spotlight, but that should be the time that everybody maybe takes a step back and takes a look at the work and the effort that she has put in into doing all of this, as opposed to looking at it saying she failed. Yeah. Again. Your results may vary. So going from uh, from working and putting effort into, we're going to revisit a topic from last week. So we were talking about Orange Cassidy, who uh, I made the uh, the statement that he's arguably in going from last week to this week. I, I'm still digging the guy. I've been watching lots of his matches, and I put the challenge to, to Carl to, to go and watch some of his work because you hadn't up uh, up really up until uh, last week. Now now that you've had a chance to to watch some of his matches, is your opinion still the same? Well, first, I'm going to let everybody know what I watched. Okay. So I went to YouTube and I searched up Orange Cassidy. Mm-hmm. I saw Orange Cassidy versus Gentleman Jarvis from Wrestle Circus. Yes. Which was actually for one of the yep. uh, championship belts there that was had just become vacated. Yep. Um, I watched Orange Cassidy versus Kylie Ray, the one that you suggested Excellent. that I watch from Beyond Wrestling. I watched. Um, the little clip, uh, uh, small documentary, the comedy and wrestling, mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy. I watched that as well. I watched Cold Cabana versus Orange Cassidy yes. with uh, Beyond Wrestling, yep. the Feast Championship, the outdoor events that they had done. Yep. Um, I watched Orange Cassidy versus Joey Ryan um, yeah. at Game Changer Wrestling. Um and there was one more. It was a tag match. Um, yes. No, it was not a tag match because I can see what I've watched on YouTube. Yep. David Starr versus Orange Cassidy Ooh, Beyond Wrestling. Yes. Um, my opinion has not changed. Okay. It definitely has not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. The, the gimmick might work for him. Mm-hmm. To me, I see it as a slap in the face. What about uh, the match with Kyle Ray? Because, I mean, he really, he had, he had to work in that match. You're right, he did. Um, and, and, and that can really show what he can do, mm-hmm. definitely. But that's only one match. Everything else that I saw, and even during that match with Kylie Ray, the same things were happening. The same hands in the pocket. The same mm-hmm. walking to the rope and just nudging the rope and then nudging the person like it's it to me that's a slap in my face as somebody who was in the ring and in the business and hustled my ass Mm -hmm. to make entertainment for people and kayfabe yeah kayfabe yeah i know i know a hundred percent that it is dead but for me anyways when i think professional wrestling i am thinking two people who were going out there and putting on a professional wrestling match. Yeah. How would it be if let's say Butterbean was like Orange Cassidy taking on Mike Tyson or Evander Holyfield? Yeah. And we just saw this guy go out there and just kind of, you know, toss his hand, yeah, toss his glove a little bit into the person and just be very nonchalant with it and, and just kind of, People are gonna people are gonna rush the ring and they're gonna take this guy and throw him out the door mm-hmm. because that's not what you do. Yeah. See, for for me, you know, and this is strictly in professional wrestling where we have to keep in mind a lot of times we need to suspend our disbelief with a lot of these kind of things. 
for me in that little documentary that, uh, that I sent you as well, for me, the real reason why it works is the stuff that he's doing is kept in the context of professional wrestling. It's not like he's going out there and pretending to shoot a guy with a gun or anything like that. It's all based around wrestling moves, a lot of the shtick and a lot of the character that he's doing. And for me, that's, that's why it works at least for, for myself. And, and like I said, for me, I think it's just totally ridiculous and a slap yeah. in the face. Now, what about... Uh, you got these guys who are going out there and, and busting their ass mm-hmm. every night. And then you get this guy who wants to go in there. And essentially, the way it looks to me is that he is just making a mockery mm-hmm. of professional wrestling. By going out there and going, ha, 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 yeah, I'm going to just nudge this yeah. rope. And I'm going to have my hands in my pocket, nonchalantly walk towards you, mm-hmm. and then nudge you. Because, yeah, that's all we do anyways. So let me but, p- pose the question to you to, to kind of tie us to something else. Because, you know, because like you said, you know, he's only kind of just doing a little bit in this match. What What is so different from that as opposed to Brock Lesnar coming out, pushing a guy off, off of a ladder and reaching up and grabbing a briefcase? In that res- respect, wouldn't that also be a slap in the face to all those, like I said, when we talked about that topic, all those guys that busted their ass in that match, and then Brock comes out, pushes the ladder over, and, and then climbs up and then grabs the briefcase? For me, no, because there's context to it. There's storyline that's behind it. It's leading into something different. This is just a nightly basis where Orange Cassidy goes out there and... I'm going to use the words, makes a mockery of the business that I have grown up in. All right, fair statement. Um, like I said, you know, I know that it's not everybody's cup of tea, and I, I will stand by my statement that I think that there's room for some comedy in professional wrestling. You know, he does it, Cole Cabana does it, Toru Yano does it. You know, going back in history, uh, you know, in that video clip that I showed you, um, you know, there's been historically a lot of people that have incorporated that into their match and for me it's a nice break from the you know from the over the top hardcore stuff the death matches the uh the new japan style matches these mexican it's for me it's just it's a nice break where i can just sit back and 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 have a bit of a laugh i taking a look at that little documentary that you had sent to me Mm -hmm. um yeah there were there were other other stars in there yes you're definitely right And those people actually, their comedy that they used was incorporated into the professional wrestling. It wasn't just a, I, I don't know how to explain it. When he, is, when he is doing that, when Orange Cassidy is doing that, he is not professionally wrestling. But there the- is no wrestling happening going on there at all. There's no physicality. There's no two people um, in a move together. There's nothing like that. Nothing like that at all. Hmm. And to me, that's not comedy at all. That is just somebody who wants to be a dick. <laughs> and I'm sorry, yeah. but that's that's the way that it that it, that it is to me. Yeah. You mentioned Cole Cabana. Cole Cabana definitely he incorporates comedy into his stuff, but he's incorporating it into his professional wrestling move sets while professionally wrestling, not just standing there and then falling to the ground and then slowly on his back crawling underneath somebody's legs. Like that's just, that's just ridiculous. You want me to suspend belief? So I'm supposed to believe that the person who's now standing over top of orange Cassidy while he is slowly crawling underneath them. Doesn't realize that he's doing that. I can't suspend that belief because it's clearly right there. To me, that's not comedy. To me, that's just being. I I get it. So to, 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 to end this topic off and we'll potentially blow one of our colleagues minds here. Let me pose you the question. Torianu or orange Cassidy? <laughs> Mind blown for a, a particular person that we know. All right. So before we do our showstopper segment, uh, Carl, um, something that we may end up agreeing on, but we'll, we'll see. So we're pretty much at that. Dude, we're, we're already at the halfway point of 2019, believe it or not. Pretty crazy, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and with the, the landscape has really, really changed. 
since our Christmas episode where we named our uh, favorite wrestling promotion of the year, which uh, for 2018, which I said was uh, Ring of Honor. And I think that you were somewhat in agreement with me, if I remember correctly. So in six months' time, a lot has changed <laughs> in uh, the landscape. And I have a new pick for uh, for my best promotion. But before I give you, uh, you mine, what would be your pick for the best wrestling promotion now? I should, with an asterisk, and I'm talking best rest, actual wrestling product. I'm not talking successful business-wise, because, I mean, obviously that's WWE. I'm talking strictly the wrestling product that is presented to the audience. Who is the best promotion? See, this is a little bit more difficult and hard now because mm-hmm. we have more partnerships that are kind of going on. Bingo. Um, I would... I would prefer to say the NWA. Mm-hmm. Now we know that the NWA has been working with ring of honor as well. Mm-hmm. So is it ring of honor or is it NWA? Which is it? Unfortunately, they're kind of working together to, to collectively make one and make each other better at mm-hmm. this point. Um, so it's, it's kind of difficult, but for me, I, I, hundred percent. I would say the NWA just with how they've gone about rebuilding, rebranding themselves, bringing back the national title, bringing through the tag team titles, making something prestigious again for us and the quality of programming and the quality of champions and, and workers and product that's being put out right now is at the level that it should be. It's interesting with the WWE. I'm glad that you mentioned them. And it's interesting that's your pick because it, it, it's almost... Now, maybe my opinion or the way I'm seeing this is wrong, but uh, it's almost like they currently don't really have a desire to be their own kind of standalone company or product. It's, it's partnership. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's these other partnerships with these other companies. And... I, Clearly, it's working for them because what they were kind of doing before seemed to have not necessarily fallen flat, but I mean, it, it was hard to even kind of hear about some of the stuff that was going on. Like the the seventieth one, the NWA seventieth show, like that was pretty under the radar as well, right? So, you know, so I think uh, this partnership with them, I think, yeah, that, that's that's a reasonable choice. Partnerships for more yeah. exposure. Yeah, for sure. Now, I think for mine is definitely a standalone company. And I think when it comes to wrestling products for a standalone company, it's not even close. New Japan Pro Wrestling, in my opinion, for the first two half of 2019 is by far putting out the best wrestling product. By far. And this year's G1 is very much... <laughs> the case and, and supporting what I'm saying. Cause I mean, you, you look at that lineup, some of the best wrestlers in the world bar none. You're right. I mean, uh, I, I can't disagree on that aspect with you. What I can say is that the G1 has not happened yet. So as of <laughs> time of us recording yeah. this, you're still saying new Japan pro wrestling just because of this card that's going to happen. Not just that. You know what they okay. did. What they did at Madison Square Garden. A lot of people were, were in agreement that without New Japan Pro Wrestling, that show wouldn't have been as they 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 outshine Ring of Honor. Let's be perfectly honest with you. And you know, just um, with Wrestle Kingdoms, uh, with uh, this uh, Best of Super Juniors, that got a lot more exposure, especially you know, with John Moxley and everything there. And I mean, Will Osprey. If go and watch some of his New Japan stuff from this year. I think that he's pretty much a contender for wrestler of the year. Go and watch some of, it, of his stuff. It, he is killing it over new Japan pro wrestling right now. Amazing stuff. I definitely have seen a lot of what's <laughs> happening over it's in crazy. Japan, so. Oh, uh, he's, he, he's a, he's a one, he's one of those kind of ones. He's could potentially, I think with, with a little bit more character work could really be one of those kind of super megastars that we can all be talking about. Yeah, he definitely you know, can be. And another guy on that short list is Roosh. Like I mentioned before, when I went to War of the Worlds in Toronto, when that when that you could feel it in the room, like it was palpable. Like you walked out, that music started, and you saw the guy, and it was like, oh, okay, you know, this is this guy's gonna, this guy's got some sing, he's got some importance, right? So, yeah, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. If if you are a regular listener of our podcast and you have not, because I know we haven't talked a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is kind of a shame, but we'll be talking more, especially once this G one starts. Go and check it out. Do yourself a favor and um, go and check it out because they put on a top-notch program, it, it, especially if WWE. If you're not digging that, 
you're going to like New Japan Pro Wrestling. I can almost guarantee that. Yes, I in in that aspect, I am 100% in agreement with you. Uh, if you have not seen any New Japan, please go and check out some New Japan. Um, Roosh, who you mentioned, um, has actually been doing a lot with Ring of Honor mm-hmm. lately. Yes. Um, quite a bit. Like the last six, seven episodes that I've been watching, yep. Roosh has been there. Mm-hmm. So Ring of Honor and their partnership with New Japan and their partnership with the NWA, right? So, I mean, you've got a lot of good stuff coming out of professional wrestling through all of the companies that you don't need to be in the WWE. No, especially for somebody like me, um, as jaded as I am with WWE now, thank God that there's stuff like this to going on, otherwise I'd be losing my mind. <laughs> right. And, and with Roosh, the, there, there's some really interesting stuff kind of brewing there with him and uh, Dalton Castle that I'm looking forward to seeing because you have two guys that couldn't be more polar opposites of each other. And they're even at some point kind of teaming these guys together, you know, and it's building to some kind of a rivalry or some matches be- between the one on one between the two guys. So I'm, I'm excited to see what will happen from that because, uh, yeah, you have, uh, oh, there's a recipe for some really cool stuff there. There definitely is. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right, so we're going to take a brief break here, Carl, and we're going to come back with our showstopper segment. And it's a bit of a doozy of a topic this weekend, and it's something that we've hinted at before, and uh, we're going to revisit it again here this week. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Independent contractors in the professional wrestling industry, if you're looking for a way to put the power of the media in your own hands, contact Pinned LLC. Pinned LLC is media and marketing for the professional wrestling industry. It's your one-stop, one-click online profile and so much more. With Pinned, you'll receive a full background story, photo gallery, an interview conducted with you, links to all your social media and where you can be booked, and yes, a 60-second custom television commercial all about you. Get more info today. Email pin.biz at gmail.com. That's pin.biz at gmail.com. Or click the icon at thegorillaposition.com to get more info about PIN. Remember, get connected, get booked, get PIN. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Carl Carafel, former professional wrestler in the Northern Ontario and Michigan region. Thank you for stopping by and listening to Turnbuckle Talk. We can be found on social media at TV Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are happy to be part of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as the Roar Network, as presented by TheGorillaPosition.com. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys, and just like every single week, we are here with our show stopper segment. Yeah. For this week, Carl, we have a bit of an interesting one that we've hinted at before, and I thought we'd revisit it, and it kind of ties into what we were talking at the top of the show here. You know, when we were talking about Impact, Scarlet Bordeaux and whatnot, and them having issues getting paid and stuff like that, and just overall treatment by these talents through some of these promotions. Once again here, is it possibly time? Is now the time for us to consider a professional wrestling union for the workers? This is something that I think that's going to come up from now until the end of time. Right. I don't think that there is ever going to be a wrestler's union that comes into play unless we get some serious backing from the workers themselves and from some big notable names. You got to take a look back in the day before WCW really became as big as it did. There was no such thing as a guaranteed contract. It was a work-by-work type of pay and contract that changed with the likes of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall when they came in, and they were able to make a change because they were big names at the time for guaranteed contracts. Now that's something that we're really starting to see all over the place is five-year contract, this amount of money, this amount of dates. We're really starting to see all of that happening. 
until somebody really steps up and is a big name, a big enough name to really make an impact with it, I don't think that we're ever going to see a wrestler's union come in mm-hmm. only because they are essentially independent contractors going out there and doing this. A question along with this, could, say the combination of these two guys, could Cody and Dustin in AEW here, could they be two big enough names to possibly spearhead something like this? It's a possibility, but again, all the workers that they have are independent contractors. For now. Right? So, yeah, for, for now, yeah. right? And I mean... Even even technically, somebody that's signed with the WWE, they're mm. still considered an independent contractor. Yeah. They're still considered an independent worker themselves. They just have a contract for a certain amount of time. Yeah. That's all that it is, right? It's not as though like you're hired on with the company. When I worked for another security company, um, the regular guards had a union. Mm-hmm myself as a mobile guard or a mobile supervisor we didn't we were not part of that union because we were independently contracted to that position yeah right so it's it it wasn't as though we were we were part of the company but essentially we were independent from the company itself so even all of these people that have their contracts with the different companies that they're working for, they're still technically independent contractors and independent mm. workers. So it's, it's, it's difficult to be able to really put something like that forth. Um, now, could we possibly see maybe something not so much like a union, but more of a collective uh, head of people who were there on behalf of, the professional wrestlers similar to a union, but not really considered a union, right? Like you've got the, um, you've got the, the, the commissions, uh, the sports commissions and stuff like that. They're there for the sports people. They're there for them. Mm -hmm. Right. But they're technically not a union. No, I think that we could possibly see something like that happen and come out where we have, people who are going to advocate for the professional wrestlers. So it's interesting. A few things with this too. When you uh, look specifically at say Chris Jericho, very recently he very specifically worded himself as I am an employee of all elite wrestling. You know, he very much worded it that way. So the, the, cause I'm someone who, you know, like I said, I try and pay attention to the details for me that that's a, a very telling thing here that, you know, with all elite wrestling that, um, you know, they're very much going to be more, okay, you work for the company, you know, as opposed to this thing of, like you had mentioned the independent contractor. I think that they're really trying to go in that direction, you know, and, you know, with unions, cause I, I've been personally part of one, before and mm-hmm. it does have its benefits but it does have its downsides as well you know the the big obvious benefit is the money um you're usually pretty much guaranteed money and you're usually guaranteed a significant amount of money and on the negative side though is you see a lot of favoritism and nepotism and um and whatnot when it comes to that so that that's something that uh, you know as much as there are some positives there are some very clear obvious negatives when it comes to unions as well right so you know, there's some, it, it's one of those things where I would, I would just, at some point I would like to see something just there to protect the workers when it comes to, you know, fair, at least when it comes to fair treatment, when it comes to, you know, not only proper compensation, but, you know, getting mistreated, you know, we, we saw back in the, the day was especially some, um, some women talent very much being, uh, you know, abused for lack of a better term, you know, for, for stuff like that. I would like to see some kind of overarching. And for me, you already even have a name out there. You know, this is possibly something that, uh, maybe the national wrestling Alliance. I mean, there is a, a perfect name for a wrestler's union, national wrestling Alliance. If they don't want to be like a standalone kind of promotion, maybe that's where, uh, some growth could possibly happen there. Maybe, maybe they're the guys. Maybe they're the people that can be like, okay, we're going to be kind of not necessarily in charge of all the wrestlers, but we're gonna we're gonna help and work with these wrestlers to make sure that they're being treated fairly, that they're being compensated properly, so that we don't have people, you know, barely struggling to survive doing what they do for supposedly a living. 
Very true. I, I totally get that. Um, I want to I wanna just go back quickly to when you said Chris Jericho identified himself as an employee of mm-hmm. uh, All Elite Wrestling. Yep. Uh, myself, I hold a security guard license. Um, mm-hmm. I back when I was working for this other company that had the union for the uh, employees and the, you know, not union for the uh, mobile supervisors that was going on. I was an employee of that company, but it didn't mean that I couldn't go and work for another company as well. Right. Right. So while the regular static employees had the union backing them and behind them, I can tell you, that they were not making a significant amount of money like you kind of portrayed there. They were making minimum wage. That's what they were getting. So just because there's a union in place does not always equal out to and equate a large amount of money. Now on that as well, I may not have had the union behind me, but I had the labor board Mm -hmm. behind me in any type of situation that I needed. So that again is just a different separate entity that everyone within Canada has access to is that labor board mm-hmm. where you have an issue, you have some concerns, you can always go to the labor board and get those addressed. So that's why I think and say that if something like a wrestler labor board were to come in yeah. and you had people head of that that mm-hmm. took care of the professional wrestlers in that aspect Mm -hmm. that would probably be something that could work as opposed to a wrestler's union itself it's a double-edged sword too especially the the part of adequate compensation you know because i mean obviously it, it would be nice to have okay you know here's a minimum that every wrestler should at least get paid this much the problem there in being though is that some of these startup wrestling promotions maybe that haven't been around for a long time or they only draw a small crowd there could be some issues and I could potentially make them dead in the water because they can't afford to pay the talent, the minimum that they're supposedly do. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a delicate thing, man. You know, it's, you know, we want obviously, you know, these guys and girls to, um, you know, get paid at least an amount to where they can, they can survive, you know, but it's a delicate balance. You know, they, some of these promotions, you know, they can only pay what they can. And, you know, just that, I guess a word to the talents, I guess, just kind of know what you're kind of getting into. You know, don't just go into it blindly and then come out the other end all pissed off because you're not getting paid. I mean, you got to go into knowing what you're getting into. That's right. So at the end of the day, I think that's what it's about. So like you said, I think kind of like a, a board to kind of manage things could be kind of a good idea. Because a union, yeah, not always necessarily a good thing. So it would just be, it would be nice though to, I think at the very least to protect like maybe just like the well-being of the wrestlers could be something uh, good too. Because we know a lot of wrestlers um, deal with, uh, you know, mental issues and some health issues as well. So yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of factors that go into this whole thing. It'll be something that we'll probably have to revisit uh, at a later date as well. <clears throat> All right, so unless you, unless we have any breaking news happening in the professional wrestling world here, Carl, I think it's time to wrap it up for this week. I have not seen anything come across my social media as <laughs> of yet anyways for anything breaking news. I always have my phone here with yeah. me checking out and making sure while we're recording. <laughs> Unfortunately, nothing that I have seen has really come across. So I always feel that, like I should ask because... There's been so many times where, like, just near the end of recording or just after, something big will yeah. happen, and we have to wait a whole week to talk about it. So it's almost, I almost feel like I got to say it now. It's like, hey, before we go, anything else happened? And yeah. this week, it looks like we're good. So that's right. This week, we are good. But if you want to make sure that you are staying up to date and getting latest breaking news, we have a couple of ways for you to do that. First, follow us on our social media at TV Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As well, you can find late breaking news from thegorillaposition.com. We are a partner with them and the Roar Network, as well as you can follow the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Facebook and get news from there as well. 
Absolutely. And of course, to listen to the podcast, you can find us on on Podbean, on Google Play Music, on iTunes, and we show up on the majority of those uh, podcatchers as well. Of course, we are powered by the GorillaPosition.com and uh, part of the Roar Network. And of course, the Hidden Marks Processing Podcast Network, as Carl had just mentioned. So before we go, let's, of course, make sure and talk about our sponsors too, Carl. We have two sponsors currently. We have HypeCityVapors.com. Go and check them out for some amazing flavored e-juice for your vape. Use promo code JKPODCAST. Get 15% off your entire order. As well, check out CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Today, I am wearing my Collar and Elbow Brand hat as well as my basic white and black color and elbow brand mirror logo t-shirt go and check them out founded by professional wrestler al snow use promo code jk podcast at the checkout and receive 10 percent off your entire order including new and clearanced merchandise all right carl that about wraps up for this week and we'll see you guys on the next one see you real soon Hey, this is Kim Artlip from Ignite Wrestling, and you're listening to Joan Carl on Turnbuckle Talk.